Hello, and welcome to Ready, Set, Retire, an audio guide packed with information to help you achieve a successful retirement. I'm your co-host, John McComb, and it's my pleasure to join Lori Pinkowski every two weeks to talk about financial and estate planning, travel, hobbies, and so much more. Whether you are planning for retirement or already living your retirement dreams, Ready, Set, Retire is for you. And Lori, market volatility is often unsettling for investors. A lot of investors question their strategy and wonder if they're doing what's best for their portfolio. To emotionally handle market volatility, some people stray to convictions and ideas and schemes that may not always prove to be the best strategy. That's right, John. You know, when market shifts happen, for some investors, it can be hard not to really react. But history shows you're going to achieve your longer term goals if you have a plan or an investment strategy and and really stick to it. When you have that plan in place, you can feel more confident. Or if you have an investment team that has a plan in place as an investor, you know, I do encourage people not to always go it alone and do it online. So hopefully you've got a team that's able to have that plan in place for you because markets shift and sometimes those shifts can be quick and they can be hard. And sometimes it's just normal volatility. And there's a discussion that should happen around that. What is normal volatility and how do you deal with it? On this week's edition of Ready, Set, Retire, we will discuss how investors can deal with uncertainty in the market and how to set yourself up for investment success. We'll talk about uh, the strategies Lori and her team use to manage risk when the market is volatile, how to handle market uncertainty as an investor, and what you can do to set yourself up for investment success. So, Lori, how can investors deal with volatility in the market? Yeah, so during volatile times, many investors get sort of spooked and as I said, begin to question their kind of long-term strategy. And as as I like to say, they like to change the goalposts in the middle of a market correction. And that really can be usually the worst thing you can do. And a lot of people can be tempted to say, you know, I've, I've had enough. This market is too volatile. I don't know what the future holds. And it's funny, there's a quote out there that makes a lot of sense to me. So people often say there's a lot of uncertainty But when was there ever certainty, really, in markets, (laughs) the economy, or the future? So, Or or in life. (laughs) In life in general. You know, that's true. The thing is, is when investors start making their own decisions about where they should be at, moving all the cash, things like that, then they often miss out on gains when the markets obviously recover. And to understand really market volatility, too, you know, sometimes when markets... And they have been moving higher in the past few months. And then August was a little lower, maybe like one, one and a half percent. And so some investors may start to think that's the beginning of another correction and talk themselves out of staying invested. But we all know markets don't go up every single month or every single day or every single year. Like that's a known fact. And most will talk about being comfortable with that. But when it actually comes into the equation that markets are down for a year or even year and a half, remember, that's still part of your possibly 20, 30 plus year investment horizon. So there's no reason to really panic if you're in high quality companies. And so being an active manager, we always have a plan A, plan B to deal with different market conditions and where we want to be overweight or underweight sectors and so on. 
And again, you want to make sure that the team that you're dealing with has that strategy in place so that you feel confident with any type of situation that markets go through. Because even after this situation is done with inflation and interest rates, I always say in five to 10 years, we're going to have a whole new problem to deal with and uh, (laughs) we'll figure it out and we'll have a plan for that. But again, it's normal to have market volatility. And as an investor, you have to be somewhat comfortable with that. Well, you mentioned active strategy just now. So what are some of the things you miss out on when you're investing passively, let's say, like in mutual funds? Yeah. So in mutual funds, or if you held exchange traded funds, index funds, right, long term and just held on to it and didn't look at it, there's a lack of risk management. And when we talk about mutual funds, which I did earlier in the week on NW, mutual funds, most of them apply that sort of buy and hold approach, which really provides little to no downside protection. Another concern with mutual funds is their strategies are a bit too rigid. Most of them have a specific mandate, a a way that they have to manage the portfolio. And so they may be forced to own sectors or weights within sectors that are close to the index, for example. And that's called closet indexing. It's like you own the index, but you think it's being actively managed. And (laughs) the mutual fund guys are getting a whole bunch of money to do that, which I'm clearly against. Um, I don't know why I'm laughing at that, but (laughs) it just struck me as being good. It's like the index. Industry has allowed for investors to believe that they're being actively managed when they're not. And it's not fair. It's not right. And so that's why I talk about this quite a bit, because it's still happening today. You remember, John, back in the day when we first met, I think it was 2009, we talked a lot about deferred sales charge fees and back end load. And people were getting locked into mutual funds. They had no idea. And the advisors were getting 5% commission up front. And we talked about that till the cows came home. And eventually, it's not just, you know, pressure from people like me, but from investors and and others who became aware of it, that they don't allow DSE to be sold anymore. So the more people talk about it, the more change can happen. And so that's why, again, I still believe that in the fund industry, it doesn't mean all mutual funds are bad, but you want to understand what you're paying for. And so things like closet indexing or not making any changes to the portfolio is really, is not really in anyone's best interest because you could, in fact, just buy an index fund and pay a quarter point. So what? why pay 2% for a mutual fund if they're not even doing anything to manage it, I guess, yeah. is, is my problem. I remember back in the day when we first started, first on the radio, you made a point to me that you were really interested in educating people and letting people know exactly what was going on. And I remember having long discussions with you on the radio about fees and hidden fees, and people just didn't know about them. I mean, they trust their advisor or what have you. And a lot of people really got taken to the cleaners, I think. And, you know, good for you for going public and saying, hey, look, this industry has to stop doing this because it's not good. It's not right. And it's not fair. So you you really pushed a lot of those changes through, I think. I did. I would say I don't have a lot of advisors that sell mutual funds that are my friend, I could say, but <laughs> who, who needs more friends? Oh, well. The, oh, well. You know, but it is about educating the public and educating investors to know what to ask, yeah. right? And I would say that investors are not expected to know. You shouldn't have to. The advisor, just like when we bring a client on board, we do an investment plan that shows the fees. I mean, that's it's as easy as that. And that just wasn't happening and still doesn't really happen as much as it probably should today. Whether it's fees or whether it's the active management, I think, in the funds, too, is is also the problem. Like, a lot of people believe that they're 
going to protect you if markets go down. And really, a lot of mutual funds have the inability. They're incapable of raising a lot of cash to protect you because it's not written in their mandate. So they have to stay fully invested all the time. They don't even like having 5% cash. And John, you know, my belief is that sometimes you need 50% cash for a short period of time to reduce the impact of a market crash. And so, as I often say, there's a freight train coming for you. You want to be able to get out of the way, (laughs) i.e. bad market (laughs) crash and not to scare people. But I mean, frankly, you think of COVID, you think of the war last year. I mean, these things happen and you just have to be ready to, Mm. to act and react. And a lot of mutual funds are just very well known for not doing that. When you say active management, what are some of the actions that an active strategy would include? What kind of actions do you take? As I just mentioned, raising cash is one of the biggest ways that we can protect people when markets are extremely volatile. It allows us to protect the portfolios from larger losses when markets mm-hmm. are going through one of those really volatile periods. And then we have cash on hand to remember, put that back to work. I often say that every crash is an opportunity. You just have to understand when it's a little safer to kind of get back in. And then shifting into defensive or growth sectors, I think is another big one. It's not holding the same basket always. And a prime example of that was what was good going into COVID crash was not what was good coming out of COVID crash. So you needed to really change the portfolio almost completely to reflect what was going on at that time. And so that is, again, a sign of a more active strategy than just holding on to the banks and the railways and whatever, hoping for the best of energy stocks uh, here in Canada. Also trimming positions that have done well. So Apple recently for us, we sold. We sold the rest of it at the high or close to the high at 195. And a lot of people would be like, well, Apple, Apple's going to be here long term. Why don't you hold on to it? We understand that Apple's a good company. However, iPhone sales are slowing. They continue to raise prices of iPhones, uh, even by $100, just as they announced earlier in the week. And the economy is slowing again. So is everyone going to be buying a new iPhone? They came up with some goggles. Nobody likes them. I shouldn't say nobody, not a lot of people, because they're $3,000. And those people who are using those goggles are usually younger people, I would say, and not the people that could afford a set of goggles. (laughs) So something like Apple, take care of profit on, and we put it back on our watch list because we do want to own it again at a different period of time. Also, trimming positions or selling out positions that report bad earnings. They're not going the way that we want them to. We're not going to just hang on to it just because it's a well-known company. Uh, There are times to get out of banks. There's a time to get out of mining or get into gold. And so it's important to be following that as well. And that is having that discipline to sell positions because not every holding or every stock we're going to buy goes up. Surprise, surprise, John. I know you think that everything that I I buy goes up, but it doesn't work that way. What? I know. Shocking. Why didn't you tell me that in the beginning? (laughs) I mean, the fact of the matter is, is even for Warren Buffett, it doesn't work that way. So it's not what you always buy. It's what you don't sell in the portfolio that can change the trajectory of your returns. And if you hold a whole bunch of losers in your portfolio, sell all your winners, you're going to have a losing portfolio. So you need to kind of change your ideas and actually take a look at selling positions that are not working for you and hold on to the ones that are working and then trimming and taking some profits as they're moving higher just to, again, keep the portfolio in check. So what tips do you have for investors who are trying to cope with the ups and downs in their own portfolios? Like I said, it's important to recognize that every bear market 
provides opportunities as well. And what's on the other side of even this bear market is going to be very exciting. It's just a matter of when does that start? And selling too much in a down market is really going to crystallize your losses and you're not ever going to be able to make it back again. So you got to be careful about, again, making those massive changes to your investment goals or strategy by just saying, I'm going to step aside for the next two years, for example, because I don't know what's happening out there. Because when the market turns, it turns quickly and you know you want to be a part of that to recover your portfolio. Some tips to avoid making investment mistakes is something I talk a lot about on air. And again, trying not to trade on your gut feelings, I think is one of them, John. I've, I've had... I've had clients and or investors, you know, say, I just have a feeling about this. And most recently, I will tell you, like um, late 2022, everyone was talking about a recession. And there was many who thought they knew there was going to be a recession early in 2023. And, you know, I started to say, well, you can't have a recession when everybody's working. But again, some investors feel that they know what's going to happen. And then they're just shocked that the market moved higher and there's no recession and, you know, still unemployment's at a 40-year low. And a lot of people forget they had these gut feelings. I will tell you that too. <laughs> um, don't, don't panic and, and check your online access daily. You don't know what your house trades at daily, the home you live in, nor do you care. Mm-hmm. And you should kind of treat your portfolio almost the same way. As long as you're in high quality companies and you have confidence in who's managing it, Some people can check it daily and don't get emotional. They're just curious. And for those people, it's fine. But for those that really can't handle the day-to-day fluctuations, you either maybe shouldn't be in the markets at all, or you shouldn't be looking at them as frequently. That's some of my tips there to avoid investment mistakes, John. Well, that's why you have somebody managing your money, so you don't have to go and look at it every day, would be my thought. Yes, Yes, exactly. You want to enjoy retirement and do the things that you want to do. (laughs) Uh, And I always say, I mean, the world's gotten over everything and so has the stock market. So what are you fretting about, really? Yeah. The other thing, having uh, spent a lot of time in the news business in my career, we get a lot of news now from all over the world about any number of different subjects. And we get a lot of financial news, market news from the internet and from television, from everywhere. So how do investors sift through all of that information, some of it conflicting, some of it not making any sense, to deal with uh, the influx of all that data, all that information? Yeah, I mean, for our strategy, it's really important to follow trends in markets and see what that's telling us, follow real economic data, not really the hearsay or the rumors, And, you know, know what's going on in the world, of course, but also understanding what moves markets, what doesn't in terms of portfolio management, because the Internet is full of many insightful and interesting opinions, and some are credible and others are not. And so you have to be careful of who you're reading and what you're listening to, because you want to be following and listening to people who are actually managing money during these times Mm -hmm. versus those that could just be newsletter writers who can say whatever they want without having any accountability. And what I would say is more out there are kind of the fear mongering newsletters. And they're always declaring there's another shoe to drop and this and that. And I mean, if you look back at how right they were, not not very often. 
maybe once every seven years when a bear market hits. <laughs> and so it just happens to coincide with, you know, they're every year talking yeah. about a bear market. So they sell more newsletters. And so there's, again, always commentaries out there. And what's important to us is that we're providing a thesis of where we think markets are going to go. But again, being active managers, we can change that. So if something comes out of left field, you know, just because I believe the, the economy could get through this possibly without a recession, if they lower rates at some point next year, if they keep rates high for longer, that may not be the case. So at this point, there's kind of two different paths. And again, we got to be ready for both. And that's what active management really means at the end of the day, John. What are some things that investors should do to set themselves up for success? We've told people what they shouldn't do, but what should they do? What we do is we're looking for opportunities. And what I've mentioned in the past too, market swings create stocks or sectors that could be moving lower and good companies sometimes moving lower for no reason at all. When they talk about throwing out the baby with the bathwater, the crash last October, which brought markets to the low, there was a lot of good companies that were being sold off for no apparent reason. So it's important to ask advisors, how do they deal with volatility and how do they take advantage of it at the same time? I think that's important. You want to be clear about your long-term goals and understand not completely about the types of investments you own, but roughly where you're invested, how much is in stocks, bonds, and what's going to be done about it if things change. Then there's a huge difference in the stock market, whether you're investing in junior high-risk companies or whether you're investing in large cap companies. And so if you're investing in Microsoft and Royal Bank and trading things like that, or Lululemon, Airbnb, whatever it might be, you want to make sure that is in line with what you believe. So for us, we don't do any juniors here. We don't do high risk stocks. So I'm always comfortable and confident the companies we own are going to survive any situation. It doesn't mean they can't fluctuate, but they're going to survive. And I always say, you know, if Microsoft and Royal Bank and Apple go to zero, I mean, you've got much bigger problems on your hands and you should buy a farm and <laughs> yes. live in a bunker, frankly. Something's so, gone terribly so, wrong. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so that's why you shouldn't panic if you own like large cap companies, because if you are really that kind of Armageddon thinking that everything could go to zero, then you probably should just be in GICs and not be an investor in the market, I suppose. Diversifying the portfolio, we have different asset classes, money market, bonds, stocks, different sectors, holding the highest quality in, in various sectors is important, ignoring some sectors too. Not being an investor in a certain sector that maybe has more risk at the time for whatever the given situation is, that's okay. You don't have to own everything all the time. And just making sure that there is risk management in the portfolio. For us, again, because we're dealing with people who are close to retirement or already retired, and they don't have a chance to make it back again. We don't want people going back to work at 80 years old. And so that's why we focus so much on risk management. It's easy to make money in a bull market, in a good market. It's much harder not to lose a whole bunch of money in a bad market. And so that's why I've got analysts on my team. That's why we stay so on top of it on a daily basis. We can even see what our portfolios are doing second by second compared to the markets. That's how on top of it we are. And it doesn't mean that we're day trading because that's not what we're about. It's more about adjusting for risk out there or if we want to be invested more in the markets and have a higher equity exposure because we want to take advantage of what's going on out there. That's just as important. And again, asset allocation, GICs versus bonds versus stocks. Where do we want to be at this point? And, and those are conversations we're having daily. 
And I know, John, that a lot of advisors out there aren't taking the time or simply don't have the time or team to be able to do all of that. And that's what worries me, why people are stuffed into mutual funds, their whole portfolio, never really looked at again, and they don't realize the risk they're taking uh, in that type of strategy. Is day trading still a thing? I remember a few years back, it was kind of all the rage. Everybody wanted to get into day trading, but then too many people lost too much money, I think. Is that still a thing? Yeah. I mean, people were bored during COVID, right? And so, <laughs> I mean, there's advisors who day trade, right? That's their business. And so I think that it's less than it was during COVID when people were bored. And frankly, the markets were moving up after COVID into 2021. I mean, everyone thinks they're the best stock picker in the world because everything they buy goes up. But like I said, it matters what you do about the stocks you pick that don't go up. And for people personally, it is very difficult for them to admit they could have been wrong. This is not a good holding or they think the stock's going to recover back to where it was and then they'll sell and then it never gets back there. So I think more and more people want and continue to use professional advisors just because they, they don't want to deal with it. And really, unless you have eight hours a day on hand and the lust for the stock market, then you probably should leave it up to somebody else because it's not as easy as it sounds, of course. And you want somebody to be able to kind of take you through these tough times to get you out through the other side and upwards and onwards. So that's why it's important to have that active management, diversified portfolio, a defined risk management strategy so you can sleep at night and have a happy, long, healthy, financially healthy retirement. Laurie, the market is constantly changing, so it's important that we put in the time to strategize how we respond to different situations. Now, I have a gut feeling that you're going to give me a quote to wrap up this edition of Ready, Set, Retire. We don't have to be smarter than the rest, but we kind of do. We have to be more disciplined than the rest, which is definite. And you are disciplined in your approach. In so many ways, inside and outside of, of what I do. I can't, I can't help it. Yeah, you know, and, and the quote I said at the very beginning, uh, I think, is also really important. Again, uh, just to reiterate that one, mm -hmm. people often say there's lots of uncertainty, but when was there ever certainty in the markets, the economy, or the future? And I think that really sums it up because people can always feel like something could happen. But my 20, almost four years of doing this, if I always waited for the next shoe to drop, I wouldn't have made anybody any money. And so because we're active, because we're forward thinking, and we've been through bear markets before, you want to look for the opportunities and what's happening. And again, think longer term. Try not to think year to year, month to month, day to day. I think that's really important for investor success over the long term. The wisdom of Lori Pinkowski every couple of weeks right here on Ready, Set, Retire. It's been a blast and we'll do it again in a fortnight. Sounds good. Thanks, John. And that's a wrap for this week's edition of Ready, Set, Retire. If you're interested in learning more or have any questions, please don't hesitate to call Lori and her team at Pinkowski Wealth Management, 604-695-LORI, 604-695-5674. For Lori Pinkowski, I'm John McComb. Thanks for listening and join us again in two weeks for another edition of Ready, Set, Retire.
The comments and opinions expressed in this podcast are the result of work done by Lori Pinkowski. They may differ from the opinion of Canaccord Genuity's research and should not be considered as representative of Canaccord's beliefs, opinions, or recommendations. All views expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management is a division of Canaccord Genuity Corp., member of the CIPF and IROC.